Let's see. Now, I have battled a little bit of a dry mouth today, so. Well, welcome to this evening. So, when Pastor Ken had asked me a little bit ago to go ahead and speak tonight, I was trying to think of what, 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 what to do. You know, Sunday morning, and Oscar, I'm sorry, I'm going to be moving around quite a bit, okay? Just because I'm just going to move around a little bit, if it's okay, producer Oscar. So, at least sitting here or standing here. But when we did this debate Sunday morning, that was really fun. But like some of you know, I was actually preparing two messages, and I didn't know what one to do until really the Lord just gave me the clarity as far as what we talked about Sunday morning. And so tonight I was like, okay, I already wrote this other one. Let's use that, right? We talked about the debate. We were going to do resurrection, apologetics. We are going to look at, is there evidence that the New Testament is reliable? Because that's the thing with skeptics and critics. New Testament is not reliable. They claim it was written 70, 80 years after the death of Christ and blah, 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 blah. So was, all right, we got all this already done. I'm doing slides and I just feel like, nope. So I'm like, okay, okay. And so reading through my Bible. And a lot of times whenever you're asked to, you know, those of you that have filled the pulpit before, especially at like a a no notice or a low notice moment, it's sort of whatever you're going through or something you're studying that you're like, huh, I'm just going to grab out of that, right? And this is like, nope. And so I was reading through my Bible and it's a second Corinthians four. No, first Corinthians three. I was like, okay, we're going to build a house. You know, no other foundation can be laid than that of Christ Jesus. Take heed on how you build upon. We're going to build a house and talk about, nope. And then I got to Titus and I was like, huh? And I just started chewing on it. So I did not put together anything deep. If you're looking forward to any life of Messiah type teaching tonight, or getting into the depth of Scripture and understanding outside of surface level stuff, I'm going to disappoint you tonight. I'm sorry. But I trust that the Lord's got something tonight regardless, because it's His Word, and I'm just going to read His Word, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. So the passage I want to look at, and there's a particular verse that we are very familiar with, And I'm sorry if I'm moving around a lot, but hey, we got a controller back there for the camera on the back, and it's got a little dusty, the little joystick, so we got to get them to move the joystick around, you know? They're getting too used to people standing in one place. At least I'm not like Brent Fincham. Brent Fincham, if you remember, I love Brent, but he loves getting with the people. He will come down here. He will walk. He will look at you. He will go down the aisle. I don't think our camera crew likes it back there, our media team. So I'm not going to do that, but I will have my wheels on a little bit. But we're going to be in Titus chapter number three. We're going to read verses. Yes, I'm going to skip verse one. So those of you that are my uh, exegetes, you know, uh, I'm going to just skip over verse number one because I just want to skip over verse number one tonight. Okay, so we're going to start in verse number two and we're going to read through verse number eight. In Titus 3, verse 2, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, 
living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. In these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So here Paul's writing a letter to, uh, I believe, a pastor uh, by the name of Titus. And in Titus, like Paul does with Timothy, is he gives Titus and Timothy some charges as being a bishop or a leader in the local church, in their local assembly. And so one of the things that he's telling Titus we see is in verse number 8. This is a faithful saying. These things I will that thou affirm constantly. And so he's telling Titus, you need to confidently tell the people in the local body these things. And we're going to talk about that. Now, normally when you're doing a Bible study and you're doing exposition, expository teaching, you're going to do verse by verse by verse, right? Two to three to four to five. But I think sometimes to really get a different view and a depth of a passage, sometimes we should look at the Bible backwards. And that's really what I called tonight's message, is reading the Bible backwards. Okay, now many of us are familiar with Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us, right? Powerful verse. But when we talked through the book of Titus last year, early last year, when we got to that verse, we really understood the power there is in the passage. There's power in that passage. It's so much more than verse number five. Verse number five is what we've all committed to memory, but we really should focus on the entire passage. And so really to dig out that truth, I want to read the Bible backwards tonight. And I want to actually look in verse number eight, then seven, then six, five, four, three, two, and then we'll be done for this evening. Like I said, I don't have any fancy words. I don't have any depth. I left my shovel and my pickaxe at the house. And so I know it's Wednesday evening. Most of us have worked, you know, a long, rough day. So we're going to keep it simple, right? So verse number eight. I, I, I look at verse number eight and I, I consider what should we do as a Christian? What should we do? Verse number eight, Paul's telling Titus, it's a faithful saying, I will that thou affirm constantly that they which believed in God. In other words, if any of us have looked at the cross Realize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior that all my righteousness is but filthy rags in the sight of God. And you, if you really understand what that term filthy rags is, it's a very unpleasant term. That there is nothing good that you or I could ever do to merit the righteousness of God on our account. And if there's ever been a time when we realize that we are standing before a holy and righteous creator, the fact that one day I'm going to take my last breath... And that my destiny is either going to be one of two places. If I'm trying to choose my destiny based on my works of righteousness, it's nothing but filthy rags in the eyes of God. 
And so those that have believed are those that looked at Christ and said, I need your righteousness. I need the righteousness of Christ on my account. In other words, I say, I can't get to heaven on my own. I need Jesus Christ to save me. What does that mean? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that what? Whosoever believeth in him should what? Never perish, but have everlasting life. So the very first thing Paul says for Titus to tell those people that believe, meaning if we put our faith in Christ, said Jesus Christ, it's only by your death, burial, and resurrection on the cross that can truly pay for my sins. Guess what? I'm in that category of those that believe. If anybody that's listening to this does not believe, you need to get that right now, period. In a simple faith, Pastor Ken already talked about it. Look and live. Realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and the only Savior is Jesus Christ. But once we become those that believe, this is the what we should do. He says, those that believe in God might be careful to maintain good works. Pastor Ken's been preaching on anxiety a lot. Paul's not saying be careful like anxious. Ooh, I'm, ooh, I'm nervous. That's not what he's talking about. This word for careful is, is a thoughtfulness. This is a focus. This is laser focus, having an awareness to maintain good works, to do good things. In other words, Paul says in, a, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, that we were created unto good works. And that as a Christian, what should we do? Verse number 8, we should be doing good works. Now, what is a good work? Well, I'll leave that between you and God, but if you read the Bible and the Bible says don't do this and you're doing it, that's not a good work. But if you're not doing it, that is. If God says do this and you are, that's a good work. Two greatest commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, Jesus said. And so if we ever want to know what is a good work, is it rooted in my love for God and my love for my fellow brother or sister, my neighbor, somebody in the world? And so verse number eight, what should we do? Okay, let's go backwards. We're reading the Bible backwards. Verse number seven, being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is the why we should do it. So we know what, do good works. Now the why, because we were justified by the grace of of God. Now, what does that word term justified mean? Well, in other words, we were declared righteous. So, it's a very touchy subject, but I had already planned on mentioning it. There's a family that ended up losing a loved one because of a, a drunk driver. I got a DUI at 16 years old. At 16 years old. I rear-ended a car, and there's like an eight-year-old boy in the back seat. I could have killed that eight-year-old boy. And I was going to work. And so what happened was I had to go to the court. I had to go stand before the judge because I had a DUI on my record. Thankfully, no one was injured. It was only property damage. And so we took care of that. But I stood before the judge. And the judge had to declare what my verdict was. And my verdict was guilty. I was caught red-handed, if you will. I even called the cops on myself that night. 
And so I was not justified in the sight of the judge. I had to do my time. I had to do X amount of community hours. I think I spent a night, night in jail, but I did my community hours, lost my license for like six months or a year, and then had a huge blemish on my driving record for quite a long time. But you see, what Paul's saying here is that as Christians, as believers, we are justified by his grace. And the fact that as I had to stand before that judge when I was 16, it would have been as if somebody else stepped alongside and said, I'm taking all his payment, all his punishment. And you're going to look at him as if he's flawless and spotless. And essentially, that's what Paul is saying here. We know that didn't happen to me, but when Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for you and I and rose again, and when we put faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ for our sins, we are justified in the eyes of God. I don't care what men think about me to a degree. I care what he thinks about me, because at the end of the day, that's what matters. I love what Brother Ojo said when he was here, our missionary to Nigeria. He says, if I'm talking to you, I only want to be your friend to tell you about Jesus. I was like, that is so funny. Of course, oh, Ojo, you would think it's something like that. But don't mis mistake me. I, I do care as far as, you know, loving people and people, you know, finding edification out of me and things like that. But the fact of being justified by God has got to be our focus. And that once we become Christians, realize that I am not who I was. I am who God says I am. And who is that? A child of God. That God doesn't look at me in my filthy rags. That God looks at me as the righteousness of Jesus Christ applied to my account. And because of that, verse 7, he says, we have the hope of eternal life, the expectation of eternal life. He uses this term in chapter 1, verse number 2 as well. And that as a Christian, as a believer, we have this thing called life. And we know this because in verse 2 in chapter number 1, Jesus or Paul writes, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. I love that phrase. You see, the Muslims believe in Allah, but they teach that Allah can lie. Because if, if a being cannot lie, then by definition, a being cannot be omnipotent. So by their definition, Allah has to have the ability to lie. And I believe that's a term Matt can, you know, help clarify this for me, but I think it's called dawah, is when they willingly lie to somebody to convert them to Islam. And it's okay because you're lying for Allah. But here we know that God cannot lie. Why? Because it's contrary to his character and his trustworthiness and his love. And the fact that when he promised us eternal life, we have eternal life. And because of that, we should be careful to maintain good works, do good things. So we should do some things. Why? Because we're justified. How are we justified? We spoke a little bit already about this. But Paul says in 5 and 6, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I know we have some mechanics in here. 
love working on cars. No, we got people out here that love landscape, gardening, things like that. People here that have babies and newborns, we get dirty through the day, right? I mean, if I can't change oil without getting oil all over my head. I don't know how oil gets on my head. I don't know, Bill. I'm sorry, but it does. And so at the end of the day is we got to take showers, right? We got to clean all this dirt off, all this filth, all this grime, taking care of babies and the spit up and the diapers and I'm just, it's a blessing, June and Savannah. Y'all enjoy those, those moments. But, uh, but we got to clean ourselves up and wash ourselves. Now, when we're washing ourselves and we're in the shower, we don't just get in the shower and we wash our left pinky toe. We don't wash our elbow and get out. No, what do we do? We wash our whole body, right? Because our whole body dirty. Otherwise, even if my left foot's not dirty, I'm still going to wash it because I'm still in there. See, this is the idea we're talk, talking about, that by the washing of regeneration, which he shed on us abundantly. In other words, when we got saved, we were regened, if you will. We were given a new nature. Behold, all things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. We were regened. We, we received a new nature. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. There's a little process I love. I don't know anything about caterpillars except for this one thing, chrysalis. That's the only thing I know about caterpillars and butterflies. And if you know anything about the chrysalis process, it is fascinating. And it is another reason why evolution is a lie. Because there is no way this process could have evolved no matter how much time you give it. So basically, when a caterpillar wants to become a butterfly, it'll, you know, make one of those fancy little sleeping bags and, and hang off a, a branch. Well, what happens is, basically, it's sort of like eating its body. Its body is breaking down. And there's a certain time period inside of the cocoon, if you were to, like, slice it open, like this soup substance would just pour out. But then, if you don't cut it, you just let it do its thing, out emerges a beautiful butterfly. Once was a caterpillar just crawling on the ground, crawling on the dirt. Now becomes a beautiful monarch butterfly or whatever one. That's the only butterfly I know. And it flies away. But what's fascinating about that is that caterpillar, during that chrysalis process, I forget what they're called, but there's certain cells that are programmed that it will break itself down and the cells are coded to rebuild itself from a caterpillar to a butterfly. It is coded to do that. Fascinating fact of creation. And that's what we're looking at here with Scripture. That when you and I got saved, we were regened in a sense. That we were this caterpillar just walking on the dirt and walking on the ground and we get saved and Jesus Christ bore the nails for us. God washed us with the renewing of the Holy Ghost and washed us with regeneration. No longer are we this, this caterpillar relegated to the ground, but because of the spirit that's now dwelt in us, we are free as the butterfly to soar. And it's only when we die to ourselves as a disciple that we can truly stretch our wings and fly. And to me, that's amazing. And so we know the what we should do, the maintain good works, the why. We know the how. Now, realize this, verse number four. Why did God do all this? 
Verse 4, after the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. God did it because he loves you. Because he loves me. And he loves everybody outside these walls too. God is not willing that any should perish. But what? That the elect come to No, that's not what this says. But that all should come to repentance. God loves the world. And it's only because of the great love of God did that happen. Did Christ die on the cross for us? And so we know what we should do, maintain good works. We know the aspects of why we should do it. We know how we're justified. We know why God would even do this. But now, since we're talking about the love of God, when did God love us? Verse number two. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Paul says the same thing in Romans chapter 5. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us not because of what you or I have or what you or I do. He loved us first because God is love. He loved us second because we are made in the image of God. And every single person out here is made in the image of God. And so it is his love, while we were despicable, that God chose to do this. When, when me and Rebecca were dating, love makes you do weird things, right? Does it make you do weird things, guys? You know, when you're dating your, your wives and, you know, I was in the military, I was an airman in the Air Force, and I was supposed to be at a training event, you know, uh, but I'd rather spend time with, you know, my wife, my girlfriend at the time. And so I was like, hey, hey, Justin, Tell them I'm at sick call. Tell them I'm sick. Yeah. Uh, what you want to do today? We have fun, right? Uh, I remember Staff Sergeant Bass calls me. Amber Weirbach needs you to come work. And I try to play sick, you know. Oh, very sick. You know, nope, need you to come in now. I did not know that Staff Sergeant Bass had the phone number sick call. Apparently she did. Everybody has it on base. But I didn't even know that she would call sick call to find out if I was there or not. But apparently, that's a, that's, a, that's a HIPAA violation, isn't it? You can't call and say, hey, that's my health stuff, right? Maybe I'd go back to Tinker Air Force Base and, and you know, levy a complaint. But love makes you do weird things, right? Would you do anything kind to somebody that wanted to kill you? He said, maybe. No, none of us would really think of doing anything Paul says, scarcely for a righteous man will one die. <laughs> for somebody that's not, no, we wouldn't. But yet God would. And so to me, that's an amazing aspect of the love of God. Maintain good works. Why? Because he came, he lived life we couldn't live. He died of death on the cross for me. Because of his love, not by anything we could do, but because of his love. And so now the final thing I want you to do I want you to realize, speak evil of no man. Speak evil of no man. How hard is that for us? In the world today, when there's all this oppression, 
all this persecution, all this scoffing. Paul says, speak evil of no man be, to be no brawlers, but be gentle, showing meekness to all. We just realized the love of God is so great and the love of God is so deep that he loved us when we didn't even think about him. We didn't even want anything to do with him. And his love is so deep that I should be doing good things. That's the case. Speak evil of no man. Show meekness to all. Why? Because they need that same love of God that we got. You see, it's powerful when you read the Bible backwards, you know. And so, I just want to leave you with that. Thank God for Christ. Thank God for the chrysalis that happened in us as a Christian. But if we are those that believe we're to maintain good works, and if we agree that good works are doing the things that God says to do, then speak no evil of any man. Show meekness and be gentle with all. Peter, 1 Peter 3.15, Sanctify the Lord in your heart. Be ready always to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. What? With meekness and then with fear reverence you see to me i love astronomy i love astronomy one of the beautiful most beautiful things for me is the process of supernova anybody ever seen a picture of a supernova basically a supernova is one of the most beautiful things you'll see in space yes you can see nebulae you can see the gas clouds out there you can see galaxies a sombrero galaxy is pretty neat oscar you'd probably like the sombrero galaxy <laughs> you know but supernovas are amazing it's this beautiful, bright spot in the sky. One of the most beautiful photographs you could take in astronomy. A supernova is when a star collapses on itself. And then it explodes. And so to have that beauty, that star had to die to itself. In other words, to reveal the beauty of God in our lives, we have got to die to ourselves so that Christ can work through us and to be the hands and feet of Jesus into a world that needs to know the love of God that you and I have this evening. So I don't know where you are this week. I just pray that through the rest of this week, pray, meditate on this passage, ask God to encourage you as far as where to focus your time this week. And just if anything, thank God for Jesus for the Spirit, for never giving up on us. Titus 1, 2, for God cannot lie. He did it in love. He did it in love. God, I thank you for your love. Thank you for the fact that we can show love only because of the fact that you are love. God, forgive us when we don't live in light of this. Lord, we're thankful for the fact that uh, as we go through our life as a Christian, we can wash our hands and we can clean ourselves up. First John 1, 9, that you are faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us from all righteousness. We thank you for that. Lord, give us a passion, give us a burden, give us clarity and opportunities to just go ahead and show love to people in this world uh, with meekness and being gentle. And Lord, just prevent us from speaking evil to anybody because they need the same love that we have from you. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So thank you.